So our reading today will, is from John 13, 1 through 17. It's on page 1081 in the Church Bibles and in large prints, 1,673. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Um, good evening. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Rob, and I'm a member of the congregation here. And before we start, can I just uh, pray for everyone? Father, I pray that you will speak to each of us tonight, that by your spirit, that you will speak into our hearts the words that we need to hear. Amen. Also, when I finished my A-level exams, some friends and I decided that we needed to celebrate. And we didn't celebrate, as you might expect some 18-year-olds, free from the shackles of academia to do. No, we decided the best way to celebrate was going to be to get all three of the extended editions of Lord of the Rings, and we were going to watch them all back-to-back. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and one of the great things about Lord of the Rings, there are so many different characters in there. There are so many people who might have claims to be a hero, people who make sacrifices, who go out and who serve others. But there was one character in particular that J.R.R. Tolkien, the author, always thought of as the hero. And that's Samwise Gamgee. We should have a picture of him here. Here we go, that's Sam. And Sam is the friend of Frodo. Uh, he is sent out right from the beginning from the Shire by Gandalf to watch after Frodo. And throughout the whole of the story, we see him carrying Frodo's baggage, 
all of the frying pans that they're going to need to cook. Hobbits eat a lot. He's going to cook the meals, and at times he's going to run into danger to save his friend. And right at the end, when it seems all else is lost, he's not going to leave. And he's going to do all of these things for no other reason than his love for his friend. And you see, as Christians, we are called to show this sort of love to others. And not just because we are to love one another, but because Jesus has already shown us that love. He has shown us that love and so much more. So as we look at this passage in John 13 today, we are going to see a reminder of Jesus' humble and sacrificial love for us. And as we come to accept that love, we're going to see a warning against our own pride and a call to service. You see, Jesus' love was not given to us for us to hoard, but for us to share. And it's certainly not given to us because we deserve it, but it's given to us because we need it. So, at Christchurch here over the last few months, we've been looking slowly through the Gospel of John. And through it, we've examined who Jesus is, and we have um, met some of the people who encountered Jesus through his ministry. And as we get further into John, and we get closer to Easter, we're going to see that the story starts to pick up a pace. So just to give you a bit of an idea, this is where we are in John. It's 21 chapters long. We're sort of right in the middle chapter-wise, chapter 13, where Jesus washes his feet. But it's right here in the beginning of chapter 13 that John really starts to kick the story up a gear. So if we switch from chapter timeline to time timeline, that's pretty much where we are. We are now coming right up to the end. The first 10, 11 verses of John cover about 35 years. The rest, the last 10 verses, cover just a few days. And the first clue as to what we've got going on in this, why everything is suddenly kicking up a gear, comes right at the very start of our reading in that first chapter. In that first verse, rather, please. So have a look with me. We're on page 181 in the Red Bibles. It's John 13, and we're going to look right into the middle of chapter 1. And it says that Jesus knew that his time had come, or that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So I've sort of broken up again. We've got this point right in the middle. Up until this point, John has made it very, very clear that Jesus' time has not yet come. In fact, he said it explicitly three times in the narrative. And the last one, verse number 8, it's 8 verse 20, we hear this. And this is just after Jesus. He's been challenged by the Pharisees. They were the powerful religious rulers at the time. And he was challenged by them on what the Pharisees would have seen as their own turf in the temple. And he really properly puts them in his place. This is something that should not have ended well for Jesus at that time. But we read in verse 820, I lost where I am, it says here that no one seized him because his time had not yet come. There is a plan. We are building towards something. And what John is telling us here in the beginning of 13, John chapter 13, is that time is about to happen. And what's about to happen? What's that plan? It's all there again in verse 1. It says, right at the beginning, it says, this was just before the Passover feast. John is reminding us that Passover is about to happen. 
It's a feast celebrated every year by the Jewish people to remember God bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. And it was in their first ever Passover that the people of Israel were to slaughter an unblemished lamb and use its blood to mark the doorposts of their house so that when the plague that was to take every firstborn son in Egypt, and that was going to be the plague that would persuade Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, when that plague was to come, that blood on the doorposts would mark the house of the Israelites and their sons would be spared. But this year's Passover, the Passover that John is about to talk to us about, isn't just going to be any Passover. This is going to be the Passover that ends all Passovers. Jesus, God's Passover lamb, is about to die. And we get that little bit more context when we read on to the end of verse 1 that Aeneal read at the start of our confession. He said, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. In the 2011 revision of the NIV, it goes even further and it says, he loved them to the end. And that end was the cross. In John 19, we read the story of the crucifixion. And Jesus' final words are recorded in verse 30. He said, it is finished. We're right at the turning point. The hour has not yet come, but here, John 12, when we first see it, but John 13, where we are now, the hour has come. And what's going to happen in that hour? The king who entered Jerusalem to shouts of praise just a few days earlier, is going to save his people, not in glory on any battlefield, but in humility on a cross. The unblemished Passover lamb is to be slaughtered in order to set God's people free. And so as we read John's account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, we need to remember that Jesus knew what was coming. Everything he does here is to help his disciples understand what is about to happen and to show them exactly how they should respond. And today, I think it serves as a reminder to us of everything that Jesus has done and as a prompt into action. So let's start by looking um, at what Jesus actually does. So I'm just going to grab a mouthful of water. So let's look at what Jesus actually does. So this, uh, we're going to jump ahead a little bit to verse, four, verse 2. It says, as the meal is being served, Jesus, fully aware, as John puts it in verse 3, that all things were under his power, gets up, dresses like a servant, and performs the task of the lowest slave. I mean, that is not exactly the response you expect of somebody who knows of their authority and power. Can you imagine the CEO of a big multinational corporation just pausing a board meeting for a minute because the toilets need scrubbing, getting up and going and doing it themselves? I think there's probably a more realistic picture of uh, one of us as we uh, discover that we have power, and that might be in Bruce Almighty. Has anyone seen the film Bruce Almighty? I mean, uh, Bruce discovers that he has all of the power of God, and his first thought isn't to help other people, it's to right a few of the wrongs in his own life as he sees them first. But Jesus is different, though. 
Jesus, even with all authority, steps out and does something completely humble. Paul summarizes this in Philippians, in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. He said that Jesus, who being in the very nature God, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And as a servant, Jesus performs the lowliest act of service for those whom he loves. Today, in the age of socks and shoes, our feet don't really get that dirty. Although it doesn't take much imagination to think that back at the times of open-toed sandals and unpaved roads, what washing feet would actually be. Perhaps today's equivalent might be offering to clean someone's bathroom. Or maybe, having just had your car like absolutely pristine, cleaned, lovely and shiny inside, and you're driving home in the rain, and you see somebody who's just absolutely drenched. Car goes past, splashes them, they're covered in mud, and you offer them to get into your lovely clean car to give them a lift home. Something just going to really give up. Something really, really tough. It's small, simple acts of service that meet a need and show unconditional love. But hang on, there's something much, much deeper going on here. And to understand that, we need to take a closer look at two of the people whose feet Jesus washed. We're going to have a look at Judas and Peter. Now, John looked at Judas um, and Judas' encounters with Jesus um, last week in the sermon. Um, But it's this encounter here in John 13 that to me I find the most remarkable. Jesus is full in the knowledge that Judas is about to betray him. He is about to hand him over to endure the most humiliating death. Yet he still washes Judas' feet. He shows Judas the same love that he shows all of the other disciples. And then later on in in John 13... In verse 27, he doesn't just allow Judas to go and betray him. He sends him out. Isn't that just an amazing picture of true sacrificial love? But then, almost on cue as if we need to lighten the mood, Peter comes along, a little bit as the comic relief, and as often as the case, he doesn't quite get what's going on here. So John tells us, in verse 6, So when Jesus came to Peter, Peter asks, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I mean, come on, Peter, have you not been paying attention to what's been going on? He's washed everybody else's feet. What do you think he's about to do? But maybe though I'm being a little bit harsh, because if we're honest, isn't Peter's reaction to this so often our reaction? I mean, on the surface of it, it might look like Peter is being humble but he's not worthy for Jesus to wash his feet. But you see, there's more to it than that. What Peter hasn't realized yet, and what Jesus is about to tell him, is that he needs Jesus to wash his feet. You see, we are not perfect. Even though we are saved through Christ's ultimate act of love, his death on the cross, we still get it wrong. And we are never going to get it right by ourselves. We need Jesus' love. And we have to trust that what he has done for us is enough to cleanse us of our sins. Yet in our humility, we have to remember 
that our feet are still going to get dirty. Have a look at verse 10. So this is Jesus' response to Peter. He's explained to Peter that, you know what, I have washed you, you are clean, you need me to wash you. So Peter has gone all in and said, okay, wash all of me. And Jesus answers, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, although not all of you. And there he's referring to Judas. The theologian Tom Wright puts it like this. He says that Jesus must wash us if we are to belong to him. Yet he has already washed us in calling us to belong to him. What we need day to day is the regular washing of those parts of ourselves, our personalities and bodies, which get dusty and dirty. I wonder what it is that gets our feet dirty here today in Surbiton. Where are the areas of our characters that get dusty? Perhaps we're quick to lose tempers or we're given all too easily to addictions. Whatever it is, whatever it is that gets our feet dirty, Jesus is ready to wash us again and again and again. His love knows no end. Isn't that such an awesome promise? See, but it's a promise that comes with a challenge. And Jesus does not pull his punches when he's setting this challenge. Have a look at verse 14. It says, Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. Now we have to remember as we look at this that we cannot do for others exactly what Jesus has done for us. There is nothing that we can do that in any way will redeem others of sin. So Jesus must be talking about something much more literal. It is a call to humble service. No one is above Jesus. And so if Jesus is prepared to perform even the humblest of tasks, then so should we. Now Jess and I have been very fortunate on many occasions to experience that kind of love here in Christchurch. One of them was a couple of years ago, just after we bought our flat. Our flat came with a rather bright, hot pink bedroom and two rooms with very, very bright, garish, glittery blue wallpaper. Um, It was such that it moved my father to give up a week to come and help us paint because he didn't feel like he could visit us in a flat with a hot pink bedroom. (laughs) But even that wasn't going to be enough for us to hit the deadline that was moving day. And so we turned to our home group. And our home group were absolutely amazing. They gave up evenings, they gave up days at the weekend, they came and they painted, they got covered in paint, and then on moving day itself, they gave up that day and they helped us move. And it wasn't until after this that my dad expressed surprise to me that our friends had done that. In his words, apparently, that's just not what you ask your friends to do. And he did not expect that they would give up so much time that they would be so open and loving and servant-hearted to help us. And Jess and I are going to be forever grateful that they did. So how does that challenge us? How does that call to be sacrificial and servant-hearted? How does that challenge us today? Where can we show that humble and sacrificial love in the lives of others? 
Is there somewhere in church where there just is a call and a need for volunteers that you could give up time for? Helping with the gardening, with Sunday lunch, with holiday club, with youth work, the technical team, the coffee and tea, coffee and tea rotor. There's so many areas. Or maybe there's someone you know who needs some help at home. Or is there someone you know who just needs to know that they're loved? Maybe just a small gift or someone just to take the time to sit with them and to listen. Will we, in response to everything that Jesus has done for us, be prepared to serve others? And it's important to remember, though, that through the cross, our salvation is assured. We don't serve in order to be saved, but we serve because we are saved and because we are loved to the very end. And if that isn't enough to convince us, John does leave us with one last promise from Jesus at the end of this reading in chapter 17, in verse 17 rather. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus loves his own. And we are his own. We are called to be his own. And when we know that, how do we respond? Do we question it? Or do we humbly embrace it? Do we selfishly ignore it? Or do we hold that ultimate act of sacrificial love so close to our heart that it shapes our love, our lives and the lives of those around us? Now, in a moment, we're going to worship again. I think that's the plan. Um, so I could ask if the worship team would like to come up, please. And I'm going to pray for us. So can I ask, if you're able, please do stand. Um, and as I pray, if God has in any way spoken to you, um, that he's put something on your heart, that as I pray, you just hold your hands out in front of you as a sign that you're willing for God to work through you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that through your Son, you showed us the ultimate act of sacrificial love. That you died in order for us to be free of sin. Help us to remember all that you have done for us and to accept your saving grace into our hearts. Jesus, convict us of the areas where you are calling us to serve. And help us to step away from our pride and follow you in humble service. Amen.